Mile Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati has the night off. Want to say good evening to everybody. Welcome on in. Gio Fran are here as well. Good evening to all my friends, especially all my uh, Italian friends who are a group diver- as diverse as the Rigatoni at uh, Caraba's <laughs> Restaurant. So welcome to all hey, them. Hey, come si va, about it. Oh, God. So uh, how are you, Paul Nolan? I am... Uh... I'm good. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm good. Okay, very good. Mr. Delgado, how are you? I am well, and let me just say to my friends in Thailand <laughs> that I am as uh, I'm as grateful as your diversity as the pad thai spicing at my favorite restaurant. <laughs> yes, very good. Very impressive. Very good. I go yes. with medium. Okay, excellent. So, um, lots to talk about. Spend the beginning of the show talking a little bit about what we've been what we've kind of been talking about a lot in this nonsense from the White House on the jobs numbers and what where the economy's at because CPI data comes out tomorrow. Oh boy! And um, well, I mean, I've I've pretty much been wrong about CPI. I, I mean, I thought CPI probably had peaked and we would flatten out, still be high, but work our start to work our way down. But that looks to not be the case. And I'm not afraid to admit it because tomorrow could very easily. Boy, do you think this has a nine in front of it? Mm. Good God. Is it possible that this could have a nine in front of it? Well, didn't, uh, didn't the financial treasury secretary or some goofball puppet tell us yesterday the economy has never been better? Well, they're all telling us that. And they're all telling us the jobs that he's creating and he keeps telling us. And that's one of the things I want to get into. Um. Brian Deese was out today talking to the financial networks, and Zero Hedge has a piece today. Is when I read it quick, the headline is "Is Deese nuts?" <laughs> <laughs> and I read it fast, and I went, uh, "Wait a minute!" I and like then I read it again, and I said, "Oh no, Brian Deese is Deese nuts." Yes, it's still funny. Uh, White House says no recession but preemptively is trying to blame what's to be a scorching CPI on stale gas data. This is by friend of the show, Ty, uh, Tyler Durden, Paul. Yeah, big friend of the show. <laughs> yes. He called he, in earlier, checking in to make sure we do this article. He, he says, ahead of tomorrow's nose-bleeding CPI print, I don't know, maybe, the, maybe these guys would know what the number is already, which consensus expects to rise to possibly 8.8 from 8.6, but many banks forecast it could reach nine or maybe even rise to double digits. The White House today engaged in a preemptive damage control (laughs) with Biden economic advisor Brian Deese saying that he expected energy and food prices to account for more than 40% of the annual increase. I mean, all of you people out there are just seemingly still wanting to eat and like heat and cool your house. I just don't know what, you know. Selfish bastards. Yes, you selfish, you selfish people who want to eat and use cars and do stuff. You'll eat bugs and get nothing and like it. Yes, but uh, Deese added that energy prices had declined since the data for the June CPI index was collected. And U.S. gasoline prices could be expected to decline in the weeks ahead. And crude is continuing to come down uh, pretty substantially day after day. I think it was in the low 90s, I think, at some point today. 94, 92, something like that. 
Uh, Tyler Durden says, in other words, it's Putin's work when inflation is rising, but it's Biden's miracle when it's somehow dropping, which, of course, is ridiculous, but dead serious for Biden, whose approval rating tracks the inverse of gas prices almost uh, one to one. I think it's a little early to declare that we're definitely at a peak in terms of energy prices and gas in particular, Deese said, who we can only assume is, well, you would think not nuts, but maybe. He told reporters, adding that he has not seen the CPI data scheduled to be released on Wednesday at 8.30. Hint, hint, sure he has. Deese echoed what White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said on Monday when she aggressively downplayed expectations for Wednesday's CPI release, saying it was stale. June CPI data is already out of date, she said. Well, that's fine. We just hope that the Biden administration is as vocal next month when the CPI print is lower. Yet when commodity prices surge in the second half of July and into August, pushing gasoline prices sharply higher, well, once again. And as for the start of the Biden recession, recession, which won't officially begin until they admit that there actually is one, but which most people realize is not only here, but may even have been here into a full-blown depression if we're not careful, Deese also said the United States appears to be shifting to a period of slower job and economic growth. Well, the Fed has no, no uh, you know, the Fed is really boxed in, and we've talked a lot about this. Keep raising rates, what that does to the national debt as far as payments on the debt, what that does to companies who work in currencies overseas. It has a lot of effects. And there's charts out there showing, <clears throat> excuse me, there's charts out there that already show that the Fed needs to think about pivoting before they really send us into something that is not going to be easy, easy to get out of. You know, you hear these people talk, oh, it could be a mild recession. I'm not exactly sure what that means. <laughs> mild, <A> mild recession. recession. <laughs> it's like your house valued mildly fall, falls off a cliff. Right. It's, a, it's like a mild tooth removal. It's going to yank it with a string on a doorknob. Yeah. Um, but the Fed raised and continuing at 75 basis points, which I assume we're going to get later in the month. I don't, I don't see how we do, but we're getting to a point where, you know, they're going to raise rates till something breaks. Well, we're getting to the point where everything's going to break pretty soon, where they're going to have no <laughs> choice but to try to reverse course on these rates. But if they haven't got inflation under control, then what do they do? They can get inflation under control in a matter of minutes if they wanted to. This is the pain and suffering we were warned about when they said they're going to have to uh, change the way we think about the way we live, change the way we think about America's fundamental values, change everything about our way of life, all based on this green energy scam that I've been calling a scam since for as long as I can remember. Every single article that's been written by these great, gigantic uh, you know, universities have all been funded and corrupted. It's a lie. It's all they do is they do their own version of the wrap-up smear by creating the, the best scientists, so to speak, in the world who are bought and paid for it, have absolutely no allegiance to anybody or anything, will write these articles. Then the Times will cite it, the WAPO will cite it, and all these mouthpieces for this gigantic 
gigantic uh, mainstream media mega corporations will just sell their agenda and we're screwed and we're watching in, in Sri Lanka we're watching it in the Netherlands we've seen it up the way they treated the truckers in Canada they're all test runs for coming after America because when it topples here they got the globe that's it that's what this is about. It top- right, but in those places, you're seeing collapse of the currency. In, I mean... You, why, though? Why are they... Because they're not raising rates. They're not doing anything like... I mean... Sri Lanka's interest rates... I mean, and their inflation went through the roof. Food prices went up by 80%. The right. place is completely crumbling and toppling. I mean, their currency has no value whatsoever. Exactly. You know, we're seeing... And then the next thing will be the Netherlands. You'll see it. You're going to see what happens. And then you'll see it happen to Canada. When it, it's, it's just going to be a domino effect. We're seeing in China, right? In Japan, right? We're seeing runs on banks. I mean, in China, we're it's seeing China, yeah. a run runs on banks already. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Then they collapse to China, the, the, the yuan, right? And then what happens? It happens in in Korea, right? The yuan, right? That's how you pronounce them. Off, they're off by a little, right? And then what happens next? What happens? Eventually, there'll be runs on every bank because this entire insolvent pile of fiat filth is gonna. It's a house of cards that we've been waiting to topple, waiting for it to fall. What? How do they keep this under control without just getting the economy going again, get the engine rolling again, open pipelines, get nuclear energy, just put all the infrastructure in place and leave us alone with your ESG scores and your green energy? I mean, that to me is this, it's, this is all by design in my, in my psychotic opinion. Well, I don't think it's a psychotic opinion. I think you're probably right. I just think you're making a different argument than how we get inflation under control, at least here in the States, because I, we still have too much demand for too little goods. I think as soon as we lower energy costs, we get us back to $1.80 a gallon. If, if we can get ourselves back. But that creates more demand for it. We want less demand. Well, but if, if it's affordable, people will then spend their money on other things. People will start going out of their houses again. When people only have $100 a week to spend as they're playing money, they're staying home. Right, but that's kind of what we want, right? We want to dampen demand. That's the whole point right now. If, but if we increase we're not supply. Demand, we're not well, yes, we could do that too. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about increasing the supply instantly. Start making it easier to, to, to tap into natural energy sources. Don't send any of our you know, sour crude over to China to be refined to companies that Hunter Biden has invested in. You know, I mean, we, we, they've done everything in their power. Why would they not let Trump buy up reserves when it was $14 a barrel? I think things are more sophisticated and more well-planned out. I think this is all part of that Agenda 21, which has been pushed off to Agenda th- you know, 2030, the Great Reset. I think it's all there. I think anybody who see it doesn't see it at this point right now will never see it. I, I, I think control the energy. Now they're going to control nitrogen and, and uh, fertilizer. You think it's just a coincidence they put the two biggest fertilizer producers in the world at war together? They provoke a fight. It's like the two two kids at the at the at the playground, got provoked. Then, you know, Russia got burned or screwed, however you want to put it, and they had no choice but to respond, and the psychopath is going to respond in the worst of ways. He's already starving his own, his own citizens. I mean, this is just... And then what happens is that potash is, at a, at a, at a, is so hard to get, fertilizer is hard to get, nitrogen's the enemy, nitrogen is, is a natural compound. That's a problem, too. CO2's a problem, right? Okay, carbon's a problem, now nitrogen's a problem. What's that? What else is a problem? You know, to me, I, I, I'm not buying any of it. I think it's all connected, and I think it's all, you know, I think it's, I, th- I, I think these animals put things in play. They, they stick the hornet's nest, they watch the dominoes fall, and they're already pre-invested in it. 
Rick? Yeah. I mean, and watch when these, what happens to the currencies in these countries. People are going to go in there and start scooping them up. That's what happens when they topple, when they topple governments like this. You know, they go in and they scoop up the currency. And then what happens? The people that own the currency now own that country. What Soros do it enough times? They they do it over and over again. Try and get try. What do they call the the money in Iraq? I forget what it's called. You you can't get that because it's all been bought. When the country collapsed, the bankers moved in. the, The the Rockefellers, everybody moved in. They grabbed up all the currency, and they took control. Well, getting back to where we started. We'll get to CPI print tomorrow morning, 8.30. And um, we'll see. 8.2, we thought it was going to go down. It went to 8.6. I'm going to say 9.2. Can we bet? Yeah. What's your, uh, you think it's going to have, you think it's going to go over nine? I'm going to say 9.2. Oh, God. Paul? I don't know. I don't want to guess. It doesn't matter what I say. The the, The way they're so nervous about it makes me think they already know. They know this is going to be bad. I think that's uh, I think that's pretty clear. All right, we'll talk about the jobs numbers and what it really means. If you look a little deeper, why the job news under Biden? Well, it actually sucks. Talk about that. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Paul Nolan with some news. Rick Delgado's got a what even is that tonight, which I have not pre-read or seen. All right. Rick Delgado, what's your what even is that on tonight? Uh, Let's say it has to do with a certain amendment that everyone is uh, anxious about. Okay. Okay. Very good. Is that the amendment of your Italian friends uh, comparing them? No. Yes. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> the uh, chat's fired up tonight. I see our own Anna Perez is in there. Her very fine show, Common Sense, on Saturdays, 2 p.m., right here on Real America's Voice. Of course, Anna was doing, uh, at one point, she was uh, working with Harry Oates. And of course, she dumped him like a bad habit. It's first first chance she could, She has of good taste. <laughs> yes, because she has taste and talent. So, well, they, were gonna got- re- they were going to name it, rename it. Anna's corner, but uh, Harry had a, <laughs> why, Harry had she, a hissy fit and hit the road. Yeah, she so. went to common sense because, right. well, she has a lot of it. So she said, I'm out of here. Let me do my own thing. So uh, common sense at 2 p.m. on Real America's Voice. Law and Border also on Saturdays on Real America's Voice. And then Trump rallies most weekends, too. So, I mean, the weekend, the weekend um, it's appointment television to lock it in on Real America's Voice <clears throat> pretty much 24-7 would be my suggestion to you. Um. Because, <laughs> because there's just great stuff. So. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This is important. Harry dumped her. That's this is what like Anna the Seinfeld says. episode where Newman get, dumps the beautiful girl that Jerry was dating. And, and Newman is a, is a disaster. Excuse me, a disaster. And uh, how could Harry dump her? Someone said Anna on the interstate. <laughs> uh, his always, Vicky says, come on, Studio 6B, guys. I know the news is bad, but remember, we are in this together. Absolutely. 
I just scalded my face on this tea. I didn't realize how hot it was. Paul I think people are point. worrying about the positivity levels without Rick today. Well, without Emirati here, the positive. We're very positive. What do they mean? Just well, hold on. Wait, start winking when you go to break. Because yeah. we're not wearing bright yellow AA battery suits on the show. Yeah. I think you have to wink going <laughs> out to break. I'll wink going to break. I'll wink with both topless eyes. at some point. Which <laughs> I'll fall asleep. Yeah, um, I'll, show, I'll show you my birds. <laughs> <laughs> take it easy, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, take, <laughs> take it easy over there. Harry is too much, too sophisticated for me. Anna says, "Well, now, now she's just oh, now, she's now just we know being she's just, humble. Now come on, now she's just come on, come on. Come on. That that if she's hitting the old, uh, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, <laughs> we're not buying that. You know so. what? First things first. She doesn't follow me, and she's the. I want she'll be the second famous person to don't follow do it, me. Anna, don't do it. Come on, I'll, I'll, uh, let's. Do you want to do some news, Paul? We normally sure. do sports here, but since uh, Rick's uh, got the night off. Well, I'll do this article because it's from uh, Michael Schellenberger. This is the um, from his. Um, I guess it's really, I guess, a, a sub-stack page. But the green dogma behind the fall of Sri Lanka, uh, organic farm advocates said they wanted what's best for the 22 million people of the island nation off the coast of India. What went wrong? I'll give you the, the burst of it, and I'll post this on my page. Uh, Sri Lanka has fallen. Protesters breached the official residences of Sri Lanka's prime minister and president who have fled un- to undisclosed locations out of fear of death. The proximate reason is that the nation is bankrupt, suffering from its worst financial crisis in decades. Millions are struggling to purchase food, medicine, and fuel. Energy shortages and, as, and inflation were major factors behind the crisis. Inflation in June in Sri Lanka was over 50%. Food prices rose by 80% and a half million people fell into the poverty level. Uh, but the underlying reason for the fall of Sri Lanka is that its leaders fell under the spell of the Western green elites peddling organic agriculture and ESG, which refers to the investments made uh, for the following purposes, higher environmental, social and governance criteria. Sri Lanka had a near perfect ESG score of 98, which is higher than Sweden of 96 or the United States at 51. To be sure, there were other factors behind Sri Lanka's fall. COVID lockdowns and the 2019 bombing hurt tourism, a $3 billion uh, to $5 billion a year industry. Sri Lanka's leaders insisted on paying China back for various belt and road infrastructure projects, which went was I've been talking about here for at least two years. What a disaster that's going to be for America and our infrastructure and supply chains. Um, and growth had been declining since 2012. Higher oil prices meant transportation prices rose 128% in May. The biggest and main problem causing Sri Lanka's fall was a ban on chemical fertilizers in April 2021. Many other uh, developing nations had to deal with similar challenges, including COVID and high foreign debt, but have not collapsed. Indonesia has suffered terrorist bombings, which harmed tourism, but managed to rebound. And tourism rebounded in Sri Lanka starting last year. And while economic growth declined after 2012, um, from the astronomical peaks of 8 and 9, remained above 3 and 4% until 2020. The numbers are shocking. One of Sri Lanka's farms were dormant in 2021 due to fertilizer ban. Over 90% of Sri Lanka's farmers had used chemical fertilizers before they were banned. And after they were banned, an astonishing 85% experienced 
crop losses. The numbers are shocking. After the fertilizer ban, uh, rice production fell by 20%. Prices skyrocketed by 50% in just six months. Sri Lanka had to import $450 million worth of rice, despite having been self-sufficient in the grain uh, just for months just months earlier. The price of carrots and tomatoes rose by fivefold. While there were more than uh, 2 million farmers in Sri Lanka, 15 million in the country's 22 million people are directly or indirectly uh, indirectly dependent on farming so all of this is that the the government was promised a high esg score we will make your country rich and i don't know if you guys uh, uh, back in 2018 there was an article on um the world economic forums talking about how sri lanka will be the richest country yeah, it's gone now and right? that article has been removed so yeah. it's another look don't tell me i'm wearing my tinfoil hat this makes perfect sense they they use and abuse and this is a test run this was a beta effort to see what they could do what they can get away with how far people will push back and i'll talk in the next segment we'll talk about netherlands and uh what's going on there and the absolute sinister bill gates has his hand in it again. The World Economic Forum has its hand in it again. And they're destroying the lives of these poor people who deserve way better. Okay. Uh, we'll get into that. And what's that? Who's that girl? There's a girl. I know she's been on Bannon before and maybe um, a couple other shows. Yeah, uh, I hope we Ava, can play it. Yeah, she's a Rebel News. Ava. Um, yeah, from Flo- Rebel News. Flo- yeah, lovely little uh, young lady. But uh, just uh, honestly, she's got brass you-know-whats. Yeah. And uh, she's on Tucker. She's been around. I hope we can play a clip. Because I'd like to add it to the story in the next segment if we can. Uh, okay, we'll get to that and then when we do some more news. So speaking of a couple clips here, we got a bunch of stuff to get to tonight. But Biden was asked, I think this was late in the day, at some event on the White House lawn. If you want to throw this up, G, he was asked about the and, New York uh, what's Times. what's going on there? And the absolute... Uh, I have to... Uh, let me silence the... Uh, silence our own feed would be nice, Damon. Uh, the White House picnic, is that what you said this is, G? So he got asked, the reporter caught him and asked him about the New York Times article, and he, here he is. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. Read the polls. Read the polls, Jack. You guys yeah, are Jack. all the same. All 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no. 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. Mr. President, He's what- cracking up. <laughs> I mean, he's full-blown... He's pop pop is gone yeah. kaput. I, I think it's the, the, the poll of the people in the White House in the room that he's in at the time when they ask. Yeah, they he, just say, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he po- he polled his uh, senior center where he plays shuffleboard. <laughs> I mean, he, he I mean, he is just. Oof. And, and, you know, he knows he's lying because what did he say? He came right towards the guy. People want me to run Jack. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not a guy who's confident, who thinks, oh, no, you've got it wrong. Let well, me explain it to you. We've seen him do but it to reporters we, yeah, we, before, we've right? We've seen him bully because he's an insecure little weasel. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. exactly what happened again. He knows. He knows. He's just trying to play it off. Him, Pelosi, Schumer. Who's the guy who just broke his hip? Uh, is the Demo- I mean, my God, I mean, I've seen younger people on money. Than these people in the Democratic Party. It's just unbelievable. Oh, it's like the set of cocoon. <laughs> Good Lord.
right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a, uh, what the hell night is it? Tuesday. God, <laughs> I'm over 50 now. Um, oh Paul's here God. with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick uh, Emirati's got the night off. What even is that coming up? Top of the second hour. Of course, you don't want to miss that. My favorite segment of the new favorite segment of the show. What even is that? Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. Crazy Town. Bunch of good clips. Ben at the border. Um, but Don, Don Thompson put this together, right, G? Man, this is great. So Don Thompson went around as he's been out on traveling. And uh, he was talking to real people. Of course, Real America's Voice. We want to talk to Real American Voices. And that's you. And we talk to you every night on the show. And we uh, obviously try to follow the chat as much as possible. And the best audience in television. And smart and funny and all of that. And um, Don's been out there talking to real people. And he put this package together. And man, I just think it's fantastic. Asking them and getting Americans' feelings on where we are as a country. What's, what's right, if anything, right now? What's wrong, which is, this could be a four-hour piece if you're asking them what's wrong, if they're being at least objective about it. But um, here it is. Roll that, Jay. Right with America is us, the people, Americans, and our Constitution, because it gave us everything we needed in order to get back our country. What's going right in the country today is people are coming together, people are forming community once again, whereas it has been lost in the past, we are getting it back. Is that the American people are waking up to the agenda of the left, whether that be in the school system, or whether that be in other places, America's are starting to recognize the indoctrination that is going on in the many sectors of our society, whether that be Hollywood and things like that, and they are pushing back. I see people in my community, in our patriot community, coming together. I see people forming and forging new relationships. I see people helping out each other. It's starting to bring everybody back together. That's what I see that I love. I think what's going right in the country is that the people is standing up for their freedom. They're coming together to fight for their freedom. We, we are Americans, and we've forgotten the power of the people. We have the power. Our Constitution, our framers gave us a miracle document, and yet we're not using it. We are not holding our elected officials accountable. Well, what's right in this country is that everything's been exposed and that people are starting to open up and speak and, and get upset about what's going on and, and that was hidden before and that is now exposed, which is corruption. People are waking up to what really happened with the 2020 election. It was <clears throat> stolen. A lot of people doing good things, standing up for what's right. We the people. That's what's going right right now. Government right now is not for the people. It's not for the people. We need to get government back. It's for the people, and they are true representatives, not politicians. Representatives work for the people. Politicians work for the government, and that's the key, brother. I'm in oil and gas, and we want to produce oil, 
But when you have things like the Biden agenda drawing down the strategic oil reserve, a reserve that was put in place for emergencies and wars, all for political expedience. Okay, what's going wrong is that our children and our people are being misled. They are being misled by the government, they are being misled by our education system, and by what is being forced upon us as a society. There's a lot that's wrong. Uh, I think that the number one thing that's wrong is that current politicians don't respect the people. They do not know the Constitution. Those who do know the Constitution are not abiding by it. What I think is wrong with this country today is people is departure from their values and from our God, our faith. Uh, the people don't know the history of our country, the accurate, authentic history of our country. And I think that is really hurting us in a lot of ways. The concern would be that Joe Biden was allowed to even run again. This country is about to go through an economic collapse. It's an oil crisis and on top of that, immigration crisis as well. What's going wrong in the country is that uh, people have forgotten about God. A lot of like immorality, sexual immorality, uh, people don't know who they are, their identity, uh, fatherlessness, but also lack of education when it comes to the history of our country. And I We've forgotten who we are. And as soon as you start standing up, as soon as you hold a flag, as soon as you go to a Fourth of July parade, as soon as you see other Americans standing up, and that's what's right with America. I think what it'll take to save this country is a lot of people not only speaking up and raising their voices, but grassroots, conservative, genuine people running for offices in their local municipalities and counties and, and school boards and election boards and, and, and every person taking it upon themselves responsibility to take back over this country again. If there's a Trump DeSantis ticket, I highly support that. I think both of those think alike, they're of the same mind, and I think that would be, those two would be ideal to lead this country. We can change what's in our backyard. We can change what's happening in our neighborhood, and we can change what's happening in our cities. If we do that, that starts it, because then the people have risen up, and that will expand further and further out, and we will take back this country as soon as we realize that we have the power to do it. Our founders gave it to us. I think Trump needs to finish what he started. I think he's most equipped to finish what he started, and he knows exactly what it's like being in an office with this type of uh, politics going on. I think that Trump DeSantis would be the perfect ticket to bringing America back to where we need to be. I think that DeSantis is extremely pro-America, pro-definitely his state. He understands state sovereignty, states' rights, which will help Trump a lot. And, and Trump understands how to run a country really well from his last experience. And he understands business, he understands finances, he understands dealings and he in relations, human relations. And he worked with all these other countries and did excellent. And so I think DeSantis and him together, they knock it out of the park. Wow. I'm just become a citizen a few months ago, and I'm happy this is going to be the first election, election I'm going to be able to vote. Hey, Donald Trump, you definitely got your work cut out for you this time around. Cleaning up, up after the mess of Obama was one thing, but cleaning up after the mess of Biden is going to be a completely other thing. The world is in shambles, and we need you to take the reins and get this country back on track. USA! 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 That's wow. a great piece. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. That's a great piece. Timely piece.
Great piece, Real America Voices. Um, and they hit on a lot of things in there. You know, I played it in its full. You could Some of the shows I think have been playing that in pieces. I, I played it in its full entirety in one piece because there's, there's pieces in there that are literally applied to things that happened today in some of these Senate committee hearings. When you talk about our elected officials, what they think about the country, what they think about the founding documents of the country. You know, if there was an IQ test, half the Democrats wouldn't even be allowed to be elected. Like Maisie Hirono. If you had an IQ test to pass before you could be elected, she would never, ever be elected. She's as dumb as rocks. She would lose to a rubber super pinky ball. (laughs) She is dumb as a stump. And she says dumb things. She's not a serious person. She's a stupid person. Yeah, and AOC, you know, says, hold my beer. She's well, yes, AOC's full-blown communist. Uh, uh, Maisie Hirono, I just get the feeling, Ma- might be Moore. a nice person, but she do- I don't think she really loves the country either, quite <clears throat> frankly. I don't there's know if so- she's a communist, but... Yeah, but there's so many of them. Maybe, listen, they're all, like, they're all pandering to the communist left because they're so afraid of being canceled and... And they're, they're so completely afraid of being, uh, you know, ostracized. Uh, look, they're, they're all going so far over the edge. But Maxine Waters is no genius. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that would be the understatement of the year, Paul. But uh, The sun is hot. The reason I bring this up specifically is because of cut eight, just to draw attention to one thing that happened today that was the, that those voices, real American people talked about in that video. G, play cut eight. Professor Bridges, you noted that Justice Alito chose 1868 as the historical basis for his decision in overturning Roe. And I agree with you. What is so special about 1868? And not only that, with uh, the attitude or the approach of originalism, they have the justices who take that approach go all the way back to our founding fathers and pretend that they know what our founding fathers meant when they drafted the Constitution. I use what? the word pretend because who the heck would, should, would, would know what our founding fathers meant? Um, is there any reference to AR-15 rifles in our Constitution? Is she kidding? No. <laughs> Hold on. So uh, you noted that this is an outcome-based approach to our Constitution, and that is what... Uh, Justice Alito applies. And when we had this committee had the hearing on the now Justices Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Comey Barrett, of course they said Roe was precedent. Every single decision of the Supreme Court is a precedent, but the one group that can overturn precedent is the Supreme Court, and they are very busy doing so. Gee, okay. Thank God. That was the end. Wow. Well, maybe Cory Booker could have helped that. He's right next to her. Either that or Kamala. Jeez. Now, what's amazing about her pre-written, her just spewing of nonsense that she does, that's all she can do, is her reference to what is is or is not in the Constitution when she talks about AR. So my first question to Maisie Hirono, if I was on the panel, would be, well, just can you point to me in the Constitution where abortion is? If you're gonna if you're gonna use that ridiculous of an argument to say, wow, where's the AR-15s? 
And she's sitting there talking about, well, there's no, there's no reference to abortion in the Constitution. What the hell is she talking about? It's, and so the idea, be- it's so pointless. And the idea that we don't have any idea of what our founders meant at the time. <laughs> there's a place in D.C. I think called the Library of Congress. She should maybe walk down there. Get a membership. I think she could probably get in. She's a member, shockingly, a member of uh, Congress. There's plenty of writings about the Constitutional Conventions, the Continental Congress. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> what, what also, she, I'm pretty sure they have Google in Hawaii as well. What, <laughs> what is she talking about? I have no idea what she's talking about. She just does. What bothers Maisie Hirono the most? is that there is a constitution. Exactly. That's it. It's no more complicated than that. <laughs> exactly. That's the only thing that bothers Maisie Hirono. That's exactly right. And whoever in the devil who was sitting at the table that she was talking to, which I'll get to later. What's so scary is oh, she's who literally, I'm sorry, Paul, might actually be, we may have seen today, <laughs> the actual devil in the form of a human being, supposed lawyer, teacher at Berkeley today. Oh, it gets worse than this. We have that to look for. You, you trying to that? kill me tonight? It's one of those conversations that I, when I see it, I just think I, maybe <clears throat> I should either go back to bed, and that's enough uh, for the day, or I'm just not meant to, uh, <laughs> to to be partaking in this in this stuff. I don't know. I'll show it to you. You tell me. <laughs> The diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. <laughs> All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. And on behalf of my husband and the people of the United States, Buenas tardes. Buenos, what? <laughs> she is. She is muy retardis. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, what is wrong Lord. with these people? I, I really don't know. So I came across a song today that Joe might like better than, um, what's the one he played there? Despacito. Despacito. Yeah. <laughs> Joe would know what that is. And that, of course, is real Bryson, Bryson Gray. Is this who, You're the Best? <laughs> no, this is not, this is not the You're the Best. Version? So I came across, and Bryson Gray's been on, I believe, with Dr. Gene, and it's put out a couple, couple really good tunes. And I come across his Twitter today, and if you want to throw this up, G, he says, I made a song, and his Twitter, by the way, is at Real Bryson Gray. And I don't know that you can get this on 
anything yet. At least I think I think this came out today. It did about six o'clock. So I don't know if you can get this anywhere, but I would encourage you to stream it, buy it, or whatever you can do to at support him. him. Yeah. Uh, at Real Bryson Gray, he's got a huge following already. I think 203,000 people following him. Dang. But um, he said, I made a song about Hunter Biden's iCloud getting, getting hacked. They gonna hate me for this one. You know what's really wild? Got your own son calling you a pedophile. Why you getting called that by your own child? It's a pedo Peter every time the phone down. Wow. Hunter arguing with hookers while he wearing crack, bro. They call it a conspiracy, but I'm saying facts, bro. In the mansion up in Cali, but who pay for that? Whoa, the media gonna cover it up like he ain't get hacked, whoa. Here we go again. If it was Trump Jr., it would be on CNN. This is what happens when you rich, but you a slate of sin. This is what happens when the devil knock you let him in. Nah, I don't care about Family, they all belong in a pen. By your loves minors, that's the real BLM. Call me what you want, but at least I ain't a damn. Wait, hold up, don't get mad at me. Am I tripping over seeing bed with Natalie? Why he recording all that? What's the strategy? If you do incest, you probably do bestiality. Hey, the president's son is a crackhead. But you the smartest guy, he noticed what your dad said. Is he the real president or Jack Lee? Why is everyone that voted for your dad dead? Hey, you know what's really wild? That your own son calling you a pedophile. Why you getting called that by your own child? It's a pedo Peter every time the phone down. So that's just, a, that's just a little bit of that. I mean, that is just straight fire. That, that's what that is. That is just so good. That beat is ridiculous. As Fran who, pointed out, the uh, dancing pandas in the chat are really coming alive during that song. Uh, yeah. As someone who's done a little producing in his life, that, that is straight fire. That beat is ridiculous. It's just amazing how it went, those guys can just – Throw those rhymes out and hit every single eighth and quarter note. Like they're just so sharp. It's just so. It's just so cool. I, I don't know how they do it. Real Bryson Gray. Bryson is B R Y S O N G R A Y. It's on his Twitter now. Go check it out. I'm sure he's going to have it on. <laughs> if that's not number one on iTunes, the day it comes out, I, I don't know. And what? It's got to be. What's the title of it? Well, I don't know. It, it, oh, there, he, he literally it. just said, "I made a song about Hunter Biden's iCloud <laughs> getting hacked." And that's it. That's him sitting in, you know, it's in mean, these home studios now. You can, you can make things that, you know, you'd have to go to a half a million dollar recording studio to do before. Now you can do it sitting in your bedroom. I mean, it's just. And he, and he worked Pedal Peter in. Oh, he works everything in, though. There's a whole second verse to it, too. I mean, it's just straight fire is what it is. It's unbelievable. So at Real Bryson Gray, go check it out. Support him. I mean, it's so good. I mean, besides the the content, I mean, it's so good. The actual yeah. production, the music, the music his flow over it, it's just good. so good. Got a million seller? Oh, it's, it's out, if we were still doing million seller, that would be a million seller. That was a great segment, by the way. We are so ahead of our time with some of that, G. Um, so Bryson Gray, go check that out. All right, let's do some more news. Paul Nolan, what's going on? So, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier. For me, this is all part of a, you know, propaganda machine covering up the Great Reset, and these are test runs. Dutch farmers block food distribution centers over new environmental rules. 
Farmers in the Netherlands reacted angrily to proposals by lawmakers, including a plan to shut down some cattle farms to tackle harmful nitrogen emissions. Uh, Dutch farmers angry at the government plan to slash emissions, use tractors to, and, and trucks and blockades of uh, distribution centers. Fishermen also blocked some ports in a show of support for the farmers. Their actions were part of an ongoing protest against the government proposal to slash emissions of pollutants like nitrogen oxide and ammonia by 50% by 2030, um, which we all know what that date is. Provincial governments were given a year to drop uh, ways of making the cuts, which are expected to include buying out some farms uh, with livestock to produce large amounts of ammonia. How serious is the crisis? Nitrogen oxide supposedly plays a significant role in air pollution and nitrous oxide contribute more to the greenhouse gas effect than CO2. Farmers, however, argue they're unfairly targeted with the government uh, and has shown a little concern for their future. So um, to me, uh, this is a, there's a lot more to this story, in my opinion. Um, are we playing that clip or, or not? Because otherwise I'll paraphrase. Yeah. So who is this girl? This girl, she's a reporter from uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, she's been on Tucker. She's been on Bannon, uh, a friend of the show. Um, Rebel News does a good job, so I'd like to give them credit. Um, but she'll tell you exactly kind of what's going on. between the and that is what you should take away from this. It's not a real crisis. Obviously, nitrogen isn't a problem, especially not when you consider the fact that, well, the Netherlands, like I said, is such a small piece of land. Yeah. We have our neighboring countries, Belgium and, and Germany, that don't have to implement any of these measures, but the Dutch government is doing it. And the real reason, obviously, behind it is that the Dutch state wants the farmers' land. Because probably there are a couple of reasons. So the farmers, first of all, they're a group in society that are very self-reliant. They are basically ungovernable in that sense. You know, they own a lot of the Dutch land. And they, well, they produce agricultural products. They produce beef. Yeah. And what's interesting to know is that the Dutch minister who has pushed this nitrogen law has a brother-in-law who is the owner of the Dutch online supermarket called Picnic. Guess who invested $600 million in Picnic last year? Right, Bill Gates, the man who wants you to oh, eat fake mm-hmm. meat. And, you know, that's not just... Uh... So so she's basically saying that this is a backroom deal between... Yeah, and it goes a little further. If you go further, you'll see that the uh, president of, um, of the Netherlands is also a high-ranking member at the World Economic Forum. Uh, a conspiracy theory. I know, for example, that uh, the head of... Uh, the Netherlands. Am I pronouncing his name right? Rut. Rut. How do you na- how do you pronounce the name of the the leader of uh, the Netherlands? He's a he's a serious member of the World Economic Forum too. Who's what's his name? Mark Rutte. Yes, Rutte. Mark Rutte is very very deeply in the world. And, well, it's obvious that this law is a product again of these globalist institutions yeah. because this needs to happen before 2030. Rings a bell, right? Agenda 2030, the Great Reset, World Economic Forum. It's very clear that this is a made-up crisis, which we've seen before with these organizations. That's the way they operate these things. They say, we have a crisis, and you are the ones that are going to have to solve this by giving up all of your rights. So that's what's happening here. They're taking away these farmers' land. They're taking away property because they see a future for us in which we're we're completely dependent on the state. You eat bugs, <laughs> and well, they own your land. You you know they you own nothing, and you'll be happy is what they say to you. But these, yeah, yeah. nope. There's, I mean, oh, 
Can't tell me his grubby paws aren't all over the land here in America as well, Gates. And that's the Bond villain guy, right? Schwab. Yep. Schwab. All right, live from Studio 6B, Hour 2. What even is that coming up? Crazy Town coming up. We'll get to some video on the day as well. Lots to do in Hour 2. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Get her chats fired up. Good to see everybody in there. A lot of people asking about Bryson Gray, at Real Bryson Gray on Twitter, if you want to find the rest of that Hunter Biden song. Played a little bit of it for you. Straight fire. You mean uh, Bryson, friend of the show, Gray? No, it's, well, yeah, of course, yeah. sure. Um, Lots to get to in hour two. Crazy Town coming up. White House picnic. And then my understanding is that we have a somewhat casual Joe Biden to look forward to in the Crazy Town today. That's right, Jack. We have um, one clip of the sham Salem witch trial, which I just will not watch. I just won't. I just will not watch it. I'll only watch to see what happens what the clips are to come out of it. And here's the one that came out of today, just quickly before we get to what even is that, is cut one. Roll that, One Jay. more item. After our last hearing, President Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not yet seen in these hearings. Ooh. That person declined to answer or respond to President Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer to the call. Their lawyer alerted us. And this committee has supplied that information to the Department of Justice. Let me say one more time, we will take any effort to influence witness testimony very seriously. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Wow, what a closing (laughs) argument to nobody. Since (laughs) Since there's only one side being presented in this sham Stalinist-like uh, committee. So to all of what she just said, I say this. Who gives a crap if he called somebody? What's he not yeah. allowed to use the phone? And what the I, hell's the point of this? What was the point of this? And not only that, how does he know that that person was even going to be called in to testify? Unless they've been having conversations. We've ne- I mean, I don't even know how to describe what's going on with this anymore. We've never seen anything like this. Like this committee, like her. She is, she is the worst. She's like when you go into the forest and you pick up like a, something that's been there too long and underneath you've got all that. Millipedes and centipedes. That's Liz Cheney <laughs> underneath there. That's her. Cobweb. Ugh, just makes you want to take a shower. God, she's a disgrace. This whole thing is a disgrace. And the only thing that matters to them, this whole thing is, has one objective. Yep. And that is to indict the former president of the United States 
and make sure he cannot run again. It is the wrap-up smear on steroids to a point that we have never seen before. It's just, it's really unreal. It's unbelievable. And if the Republicans, I don't even, we don't even need to start down this road if they get control. I heard Jim Jordan today out there on a couple different shows on Fox and on Levin tonight he was on. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, re- I don't know if the Republicans have it in them. I really don't. If they got control to, to do to play on the same play play you know ball field to that level, the Hunter Biden level, the crime the Biden crime family level, the Liz Cheney she should be under oath level. What's her texts and emails look like? All of them. How about uh, how about Hillary's emails and the computers and you know they were bleached and you know how about the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell is going to get twenty years in prison for helping and aiding and abetting all the elites of the world to do the most horrifying, evil, demented things to, to young women, young kids. And she's going to get 20 years in a uh, country club, and she'll probably do eight, and then she'll probably be shuffled off to an island somewhere, and we'll know it, no one will know anything about her. Meanwhile, Julian Assange is going to get 175,000 you know, 1, years for, for treason, you know, and he's not even an American citizen because he exposed the truth of the neocons and the, and the evil, demented Cheneys of the world. Think about how upside down this whole thing is. Really take a step back and, and look at how sick things really are. All right, more on this. Uh, but right now, it's time for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. <laughs> and that, of course, is Rick Delgado with what even is that? All right, Damon. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, as you know, uh, on my free time, I think I've mentioned it here to you guys. I love to ride my bike. Uh, I like spending time with the family, watching movies. But is it's that safe- you? Oh, yeah. Wow. But it's safe to say that there is uh, one thing I hate to do more than anything else, and it dates back to going to school. And I hate reading. Okay, I admit I, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say I hate reading. I mean, I've read every Jurassic Park book, a couple of the Harry Potters, okay. the entire Left Behind series about the tribulation and the Antichrist and all that stuff. Uh, but, but it's yeah exactly <laughs> but it's it's not so much that i hate reading it's it's when you have to read something i guess that's that's the way i should be saying it like yeah. most of you i enjoy reading if i'm interested just not if i'm forced to uh which is why i hardly ever read crap like the usa today well yeah uh, but on this occasion it happened yesterday i came across an opinion article that i read that totally reinforced why i don't read crap like usa today okay check out this headline Americans can't handle their guns. Sure. Time to repeal the Second Amendment oh, by yeah. Carly Pearson. Okay. What even is that? I mean, come on. The headline <laughs> alone is an eye roller. But I said to myself, self, let's not jump to any conclusions here. <laughs> self. Let's be fair yep. and see what this idiot has to say. Okay. See, I'm being fair. Uh, I'll save you the five minutes you would have lost if you uh, would have read this dribble yourself. But as you can imagine, Carly believes, and I quote, we must repeal the Second Amendment if we want this country sure. to ever be safe again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. 
As usual, with the gun-grabbing crowd, they cite statistics, couched in a way to sell a particular narrative, but never put into the proper context. They also make flawed assumptions, like she does here about our forefathers, about what they were thinking at the time when they wrote the Second Amendment, as if they had no historical knowledge or experience at their disposal to base their writings and thinking upon. For the leftist progressive liberals, it's always the same. Sure. Y'all shoot your eye out! Y'all shoot your eye yeah, <laughs> because, you know, they're trying to protect you, you know, with that nonsense, when the Second Amendment is about way more than protecting you personally. That's when I came across this. Check this out. China crushes mass protests by bank depositors demanding their life savings back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That got me thinking. Does China afford its people the Second Amendment? You know, that right to bear arms? Mm. I'm going to say a big uh, bushy on that one. That's Chinese for no. <laughs> according according to the article from CNN, but because it's CNN, I know nobody read it, so I'll tell you about it here. It says that Chinese authorities on Sunday violently dispersed a peaceful protest by hundreds of depositors who sought in vain to demand their life savings back from banks that have, have run into a deepening cash crisis. Mm-hmm. Damn! It's Christmas. We're going to Applebee's after this. Yeah. The face-off lasted over several hours. Till about 11 a.m. when rows of security officers suddenly charge up the stairs and clash with protesters as security officers drag the protesters down the stairs and beat those who resisted, including the women and the elderly. And again, I ask, hey, Carly Pearson, did you see this? I mean, I'm just wondering. And then I came across this also from CNN, where Illinois' own overeating Governor J.B. Pritzker says <laughs> he believes that no civilian should have more than 90 bullets yeah. at the ready. Maybe obviously, cheeseburgers, JB, maybe. Yeah, yeah, obviously, J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, which happens to be the home of the city of Chicago, one of the deadliest cities in the country, hasn't seen the newest campaign ad from Jerome Davison, who gives a perfect reason why 90 might not just be enough. When this rifle is the only thing standing between your family and a dozen angry Democrats in clan hoods, you just might need that semi-automatic. Yeah, <laughs> and as a future GOP House member, Davison points out, you never know how many angry Democrats might show up at your door wanting to do you or your family harm. And you might need a few extra to scare this away, too. I mean, turn your eyes if you have to. I mean, this, oh, oh, jeez. Who is Sorry that? about that. Oh, and who knows how many you might need to blind yourself from seeing this. Ugh. Not only if I was uh, not if I was on fire and the only way to put me out was with an axe. Yeesh. Needless to say, Carly Pearson and the people like her, you know, the ones who think that they know what's best for you as they look down their nose at you, lecture you on what you need, what you don't need, and how they are morally the, uh, the authority of we the people, and we should be listening to them. Carly and her friends, well, they are tone deaf. Because as we've noted many times in the show, and we'll continue to do so in the future, guns don't kill people. People kill people (laughs) and that the second amendment was written so that we the people who many who many have endured a long train of abuses can decide according to the declaration of independence whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends it is in the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government Yes, and for our children's sake, for Carly Pearson's sake, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Now, if Carly would like to opine about illegal guns, we the people would 
happily await that discussion. Damon, back to you. Okay. Rick uh, Delgado, what even is that? I wonder if Carly Pearson is just a um, great job, buddy. Uh, Thank you. A pseudonym for Maisie Hirono. <laughs> I wonder no, if she wrote it. She she's an actual. She I think she lives out of country too. She doesn't even live in this country anymore. It kind of goes down the same path, right? Yeah. Maisie doesn't think that anyone that the founders or that the Supreme Court judges could possibly know what originalism is. <laughs> I mean, I just I don't know. You know, this is why on the 4th of July show, I played for you. Remember uh, Justice Scalia? Yeah. I mean, that's, this, these are the reasons, if I can, I play those thing, kind of things to, to remind you. That if you're not a moron like Maisie Hirono, you actually study these things like the Supreme Court justices have their whole life. And like I said, she could walk down to the Library of Congress probably and educate herself a little bit. But of course, <laughs> she doesn't one. want to do that because... Thanks. Once again, her and people like who wrote that article for, for USA Today, the only thing they really object to the fa is the fact that there actually is a constitution. That's a, right. in a Bill of Rights. That's it. That's it. That, yeah. That's all they really have a problem with. That something constricts them in their, their goals and their quests for their utopian society. If we can just do socialism right this time, man, oh, man, it's going to be perfect. You watch. Yeah, the arrogance. And the, um, the, the beach um, headstand twerker is running for office in Rhode Island? Yeah. Uh, she's, it's her re-election campaign. She's the incumbent. <laughs> oh, well, well. Of course. Of course. Why wouldn't I put that together? Because as an incumbent, what else would you do <laughs> for, your, for a campaign video? I mean, she saved a lot of money on marketing. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess there's always there's always a way to look at it with a positive What's spin. What's the carbon footprint on that, though? With a positive shake on it. All right, live from Studio 6B, Crazy Town, still coming up. On a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice. We're back right after this. Studio 6B on a Tuesday. A couple things here. We're going to get CPI data tomorrow, tomorrow as I told you. <clears throat> but one of the other things I want to address is this jobs numbers. Because we keep hearing the White House and everybody in the media and everybody hanging on these jobs numbers. And um, Issues and Insights, which is really a good site. I don't use much of their stuff, but when I see... They don't publish a lot of stuff, but when they do, it's usually really good. The editorial board took a really deep look at some of the numbers on jobs. And they say, look deeper. And the jobs news under Biden sucks. After months and months of bad news and <clears throat> metastasizing crises, who can blame President Joe Biden for seizing one glimmer of good economic news? Well, too bad the good news really isn't good news at all. On the surface... The economic news from last Friday looked celebratory. The Labor Department reported that the economy had created 372,000 jobs in June, beating the consensus forecast, which is a rare thing under Biden. The unemployment rate held at 3.6%. And to top it off, jobs in the private sector regained all the losses 
from the COVID lockdowns. And again, this is people's argument for why inflation is not coming down is because the job market is so hot. And as long as people are out there working, they're going to go out and spend. In response, Biden rushed out a statement bragging about how this has been the fastest, and you hear him say this all the time, fastest and strongest jobs recovery in American history, and that it, quote, would not have been possible without the decisive action my administration took last year to fix a broken COVID response and pass the American Rescue Plan to get our economy back on track. He continued lying, quote, we have more Americans working in the private sector today than any day during Trump's presidency, more people than any time in our history. Only the last claim has any semblance of truth to it. The idea that President Biden presided over the fastest job growth in history is meaningless since he took office after the biggest decline in jobs in history. From February 2020 to April 2020, the economy shed a stunning 22 million jobs thanks to mostly Democrat COVID lockdowns we now know were completely pointless. In the nine months following that, the economy added back 12.5 million of those jobs. Then Biden took office. And in the 18 months since he's been calling the shots, the economy has recovered only 9 million more. And even now hasn't surpassed the previous peak in in employment. So how exactly does Biden come to the conclusion that his $2 trillion rescue plan should get any credit? If anything, it slowed down what had been a mad rush of people returning to work. It is true that private sector employment hit a peak in June, surpassing the previous peak set in February 2020, but just barely, by all of 140,000. Total employment, however, is still 524,000 jobs below the peak under President Trump. Worse, even that meager private sector gain hasn't been nearly enough to keep pace with population growth over the past two-plus years. Labor Department data shows that the working-age population in America shot up by 4.2 million from February 2020 to June 2020. But what about the low unemployment number? That's certainly something to cheer about, isn't it? For Biden and his media lapdogs, maybe. In fact, the unemployment rate tracks only those who are looking for work, and who have a job, anyone who has dropped out of the labor force entirely because they've retired or just gave up looking for work doesn't get counted as unemployed. Well, guess what? The number of people who aren't in the labor force has climbed by 4.8 million since Biden took office. As a result, only 62.2% of working age adults, those over 16, are in the labor force. That's down 63.4% at the pre-COVID peak. Let me say that again. That's down 63.4% at the pre-COVID peak. In other words, the bulk of the decline in unemployment isn't because people are finding work. It's because people are giving up finding a job altogether. 
If those 4.8 million were still in the labor market, today's unemployment rate would be 5.5%. That's not horrible, but it is far from something to brag about. Especially when you consider that those uh, with jobs have seen their real wages decline thanks to Biden's inflationary spending policies. So what is left for Biden to brag about? What else can he say his rescue plan has achieved? Well, quite frankly, nothing. At least nothing good. That today from Issues and Insights. So the more you hear this moron telling you about cutting the deficit and doing this and all that, just nonsense. Just nonsense. And tomorrow they'll have every excuse in the book why when it's 8.8 or God forbid a 9 or... Oh boy. They'll have every person to blame other than their own uh, Federal Reserve Chairman, who they reappointed, their Treasury Secretary is about 110 years old, and Biden himself. So so I just wanted to get to that because I'm sick of hearing him talk about it. A couple other interesting things today. I don't know what to make of this clip. Uh, John Bolton's a weasel. Neocon and he um, and Paul, you'll like this because he admits to partaking in coup d'etats. But in one respect, here his defense of President Trump with Jake Tapper here is somewhat glorious as well. So it's just a weird clip. Cut two, G. Play that. It's not an attack on our democracy. It's Donald Trump looking out for Donald Trump. It's a once in a lifetime occurrence. I don't know that I agree with you to be to be. Uh, Fair, with all due respect, uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, not here, but, you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's not what he did. It was just stumbling around from one idea to another. Ultimately, he did unleash the rioters at the Capitol. As to that, there's no doubt. But not to overthrow the Constitution, to buy more time to throw the matter back to the states to try and redo the issue. And if you don't believe that, you're going to overreact. And I think that's a real risk for the committee, which has done a lot of good work, mostly when the witnesses testify, not when the members are opining. Uh, It is invariably the case that when you go too far trying to prove your case, you undermine it. So there's so much in that, you know, there's some (laughs) things I actually think he did a good job of explaining to dummy Jake Tapper, which is, what President Trump ultimately was trying to do, which he's correct about, which is to buy more times because we know the state legislatures had their power taken away. We know there's no way the founders of this country thought that delegates would come to Congress under these circumstances. And President Trump instinctively knew that as these electors came to Congress. He knew under, under the guise that they came in the, all these states where you had Stacey Abrams and all of these states, secretaries of states cutting deals and votes that shouldn't have been counted, counted. We, we know the deal, the constitutional problems, the federal constitution problems in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in all these places. And President Trump, of course, instinctively knew all of that as these electors came, which is why he wanted Pence to do what he wanted him to do. And Pence, of course, wouldn't. So he's right about that. He's, he couldn't be more wrong about – there's not a single shred of evidence this whole committee has come up with that President Trump had anything to do with unleashing the rioters. That is a ridiculous statement. 
We'll get Paul's thoughts when we get back. Casually admitting to we're planning coup d'etats. Well, That's what I have to say. I'm like, can you tell us more about the coup d'etats? minutes past the hour live from studio 6b we'll do some more news here paul no let's do crazy town though g did i see harry oates is uh, well of course i did <laughs> why why isn't he responding to anna's question and, and everyone else's questioning guys he's eating dinner or something <laughs> come on harry well it's not because he doesn't know the answers <laughs> well he's casually uh i think he's casually planning a coup d'etat at the dinner table and harry does that every time he comes on the damn show he tries to take over so it's like a constant coup d'etat with Harry. So I wonder how his nature show and weather show is coming. Is the development the developments going well? He can't answer because he's foraging for dinner right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do crazy town. Speaking of um, eating, the White House picnic was today. This is right up Joe's alley. This has got to be good. This has got to be good. Uh, for the White House picnic, Joe tells the story of having lunch. Oh, no. With segregationists. Oh, boy. Roll it, what G. What can go wrong here? All right, come on, Joe. Well, folks, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't have to stand Look every time so I hear Hail the Chief wonder, where the hell is he? It took me a long while. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not. What? Turn around and where, where's, where's the president? The zip is open. Folks, too. look. Uh, Restart. You know, uh, I'm I don't Joe think Biden's I've ever husband. done this. Restart without comment here from us. <laughs> One more time, G. What did he just say? Roll it. Crank it up. Crank it up. Well, folks, uh, you know, you don't have to stand every time I hear hail to the chief wonder, where the hell is he? It took me a long while. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not. Yeah. Turn around and where, where's, where's the president? Folks, look, uh, you know, uh, I'm Jill Biden's husband. And... Uh, and, you know, folks, uh, one of the things that uh, the vice president and I talk about once in a while is that uh, I wish we were able to do more of this. I was asked a long while ago uh, when I was when I was quote, a professor at Penn, when I got finished being vice president, why things seem to be so distant. And uh, I was telling the story that uh, in my sixth year as vice president, my job, which I was happy to fulfill <laughs> as vice president, was to be the main liaison between the administration and the Congress. And uh, I realized there were a lot of new people I didn't know. And so I decided to go up to the, uh, the private Senate dining, we used to call it. As you go down the hallway on the first floor, there's the elevator, turn to the right, you have the public room where you can go in with a, a member in the Senate. Yeah, right. And you turn left, and there was a private room with two big conference tables. Yeah, I remember. And uh, in it, and uh, a buffet. Oh, yeah. That people would, and we all, when there weren't many folks uh, there, Democrats and Republicans sat together. It was a place where we could actually talk to one another, get to know one another. Look at Jill. Have breakfast and, uh, and tacos. And when, in fact, I remember the first time that I went, I didn't want to go to lunch because I'd come under tough circumstances. 
I just wanted to, I just was, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be here. Teddy Kennedy walked in one day and said, come on, you're going to lunch. Come on. I said, Teddy, let's said, go drive over lunch. a bridge. And they brought me over to the Senate dining room and uh, I sat down. He said, just listen, come here every day and just listen for the better part of an hour. You'll learn more about your colleagues than you'll learn by debating on the floor, Democrats and Republicans. I went to lunch there almost every day, spent between a half an hour and an hour. And you got to know people. Back in those days when we traveled, we would travel with our spouses internationally when we would go overseas. We used to have debates with me and, uh, for example, Jim Eastland, with whom I agreed on virtually nothing except we were both senators. But we'd debate like hell on the floor of the Senate and go and have lunch together. And John McCain became one of my closest friends. Even though John McCain and I were like brothers who would go at each other with hammer and tong. Yeah, but when sure. it was over in the debate, we knew each other. And so I hope that we so pay attention to one another. The thing that I'm going to worry you about is that they said you can work the rope line. I said, hell, I'm going to sit down and eat with you all. And so you're stuck with me. Oh, my God. Oh that was the greatest God. story of garbage. Just first nothing. Off, first the fact that he brings up East... Eastland in front of the vice president again. <laughs> Somebody who was an absolute segregationist. One of Biden's old childhood buddies who he worked with. Did you see her face? Yes, yeah, she was cringing. <laughs> remember the whole busing? NPR recordings? Do you remember her yeah. and Biden getting into it? She mm -hmm. crucified him over it? Oh, it's a, just a debate. <laughs> oh, my God. That was like dementia on. Boy, did you brutal. see Jill's body language? Was Both like, of them. Yeah. <clears throat> and meanwhile, first, she, Kamala at first was like, I'm better than him at this. Well, no, she's not. <laughs> I know she's not. That's a that's scary a, thought, but no, but that's she's not. She was, that, I'll tell you what she was thinking. She was all proud. Who typed a question? End of quote. Repeat the line. Damn it. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So true. No matter what you put in there, he's going to read it. F you, San Diego. I'm starting to think, though, I'd rather hear him say, uh, end of quote, repeat the line, than do, because clearly that was no teleprompter today. No, he, that was that, that was, was him delving into the, the, the story bag and uh, oh let me pull out this one. I haven't told this one since I don't know when. Let me let me pull this one out. Um, well, he never told it before because he just made it up. <laughs> no, I've heard that story. Oh before. yeah, yeah. About having lunch every yeah. day with uh, Teddy Kennedy. He's told that. that yes, he's told that he's before told probably times. two or three times. I, I guess I'm not listening to him. <laughs> Most people aren't. <laughs> but he t but he usually adds the part where he went to go sit some at one chair. And they said, oh, you better get up. That's so-and-so's chair. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. And then he uh, oh, yeah, 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 was yeah. like, oh, and then we became buddies. And, and he talked to me about joining the Klan. And we, we you know, we went and we marched around in sheets. And then, um, we, right, then yeah. we figured out a new way to screw the people right. together. He that, says, which we agreed on not, about nothing on. But then later on in his career, of course, the whole Democratic Party uh, adopted Robert Byrd, who was the Grand Klegel. <laughs> And out of West Virginia. And, and his hero. Started the chapter of the KKK because they didn't have one. Talk about a go-getter. He was, uh, he's, you know, <laughs> Biden and Obama spoke at his eulogy at his uh, funeral. 
The Democratic oh. Party got on the House of Pelosi's giving speeches about him on the floor of the, of the House. Oh, my God. An understated uh, moment of that crazy town is when he has to clarify that internationally means out of the country. <laughs> and what about his shirt? What's with sexy Joe, Pedal Joe? Was he try- what? Oh, Pedal Peter's on parade. Pedal Peter, right? And yeah, that's him. just one. That's just one too many buttons. Too, uh... I'm just surprised his trousers are on. Well, yes. <laughs> that's just one creep. too many buttons, though. It's better than pick a Pelosi from what even is that? Oof. <laughs> Oof. Right. What? on the beach there. That's can't brutal. be unseen. <laughs> Man, oh man, that's not the three of them aren't going to be doing any. Yeah, usually you go to the beach to you know for your toes to touch the sand. <laughs> yeah, and we get it. Uh, good. Um, well, Joe's never worried about. Well, sometimes he is worried about looking like a fool, right? Gee, this was uh, this was yesterday. Roll that. Some of the groups want. I'm gonna look like a fool here in this interview. I put a helmet on because it was a tough interview. <laughs> uh, but all kidding aside, I think that. Uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw what happened last time you were on a bike in that situation, so it's better that you have a helmet on there, Pops. He really delves into the subject there. Um. All right, let's do some more new. <laughs> yeah, thank God he. Well, thank. I mean, seriously, hey, thank God he had a helmet that time. Hey, because... are we going to talk about this casual coup d'état that John Bolton was referring to? Yeah, so go ahead. Well, go ahead. Yes, it's uh, Jake. As someone who's partaking in this, it's it's a lot of work. It's you know, a lot of work. Yeah. Can you explain that there, uh, John? You want to delve into that? What well, kind of work guess... is he talking about? As a person who's, you know created some coup d'etats well not here in this country the fact that he had to clarify not here in right. this country is also like you know <laughs> it's just is, yeah. that, is that something he can be prosecuted for I, I don't know because i mean are you are we supposed to be as a government official are, are we supposed to be trying to overthrow other governments well, i don't know was, i'm just throwing it out there on it in the interview later and he kind of walked it back like well i wrote a book about venezuela yeah, clarify it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. There's another book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman, where they make reference to to a lot of big insiders in uh, in American politics. It's been, it's been going on forever. <laughs> so, so, so Bolton's book is basically like when OJ wrote that book. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have <laughs> do it. Right. Jennifer O'Connell says today, uh, John Bolton casually admits to Jake Tapper that he's planned coups. And what Trump did ain't won. It's <laughs> so unbelievable. Knows. Think about how much there is to unravel in that whole clip. It's like he's been waiting to tell somebody that. Yeah. Like he's so proud of it. He's he, like he needs to let someone know. I mean, how great would it be to round up all of these lifelong politicians, have like a chair with some heavy duty duct tape and rope and some sodium pentothal, <laughs> and just let's get it all, all out right. in the open. All right, Pelosi, you're next. All right, Cheney, in the chair. We need Schumer? We, ah, forget it. We don't need. We know you're stupid. What comes after a, a gigabyte? Is that a kilobyte? We're gonna need like ninety kilobytes of a terabyte. Yeah, oh, whatever. Thanks, the technical guys. We need terabytes and gigabyte petabytes or something. Pedal, oh god, <laughs> pedal petabytes. So Jennifer O'Connell says, with this massive bomb, Bolton managed to reveal more truth than he probably <laughs> intended. 
Truth that many of us have suspected for, well, quite a while. Bolton effectively destroys the narrative that January 6th was an insurrection, let alone an actual coup. This is the narrative that the legacy media has carefully crafted, nurtured, fed, and now is shoving down America's throats, despite all evidence to the contrary. Then Bolton casually admits to having engineered color revolutions. He made sure that you knew it wasn't in the United States, mind you, but some of us can draw our own conclusions, as Bolton encouraged later on in his assessment. Bolton said it was just stumbling around one idea to another. Ultimately, he did unleash, uh, like you heard him say. It says, uh, Bolton is on fire, didn't even realize how, how much. Tapper, too full of his own self-importance, of course, just had his lunch handed to him. In the legacy media's push to keep elevating this January 6th sham commission with its ridiculous testimony by Cassidy Hutchinson and grandstanding by the egregious Liz Cheney, they are doing nothing more than reinforcing the fact that there is no there there. They have no interest in discovering how an insurrection occurred on their watch. They are only interested in destroying Trump, preventing him from running for office ever again. Yep. So, and so, we know that. And in the closing segment, can we uh, have a little interaction with the audience, have a little discussion about, about this little war between Elon Musk and Trump and how mm-hmm. I completely think it's ridiculous that he's picking another fight, so to speak? Who, President Trump? Yeah, I just don't think he should have said uh, another BS artist. I, when I reported the story, I was like, why, why do this? What good comes of this? So let's, I'd like to hear the audience's uh, reaction. I'm going to read the story from Just the News. And All right. We'll do it when we get back. I'll have the president's truth on Truth Social from today. And we'll go back and forth here. And we'll get your input live from Studio 6B when we get back on a Tuesday night. Studio 6B, 13 to the hour. Gee, I don't know if you saw some of the local uh, news in New York here, but did you see this over here? Throw this up. Anybody look familiar in this? There it is. (laughs) That's what I saw. Yeah, and and I'm flipping through the local news, and, well, what jumps off the page there? (laughs) Yeah, it's like right. Yeah, missing a ceiling tile. (laughs) Voting for something or other. I don't know. So, All right, let's – I have to do this clip because I – you know, previewed it before. Um, cut 14, G. I don't even have to set it up. Just roll it. Uh, Professor Bridges, you said several times. No, you let me set the it phrase up. I want to make. This is, um, <laughs> this is a professor. <laughs> Just an idiot. This is a professor who, who's a law professor at, I believe, UC Berkeley in California. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? 
many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is that about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they <laughs> exist I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people exist. Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told allowed that to they're opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's sick. I mean, that is so sick. That is so sick. Yeah. Oh, my God. I saw that and I thought I, maybe I need to go back to sleep today or maybe this is just too much for me to, to, uh, to even comment on. Holy cow. I mean, what, what is that? What is that? I don't even understand what that is. Wait, it's, like, it's like people like that who argue transgenderism like that, like that. It's almost like an authoritarian. It's, it's very authoritarian. It's like you either submit... Mm -hmm. You suspend all reality, reality, or you're and a racist, submit you're a homophobe, or you're some. Yeah, it's just you have to conform right two now. Plus two yeah. is five. You racist, right? And conform to that to nonconformity right now, <clears throat> or or you are promoting violence. You're you're whatever whatever the name is. It, it, it's really something. Yeah, and, and then she goes, "Oh, one one in five transgender people are are open to violence." Like, whose fault is that? Are you saying his, his question is why that happens? Or maybe there's something going on where the person gets themselves into a bit of trouble. You're not clarifying. You're just throwing out a number to try and bully someone into your line of thinking. Right. And to suspend reality. Reality is women get pregnant. Women have body parts that lend themselves to get pregnant. This subject is so it's amazing having this conversation. It's how about let's talk about the mental illness and now this new avenue you've given these people who are having all kinds of issues, which I sympathize for. But to give them the uh, hope or the the belief that this person who's now added silicon to their chest area can have a baby after they had their male. Please, you're the problem. You're the psychopath. You're the one who's making it bad for people who already have body dysmorphia or some form of mental issue. These sickos. Sick. I mean, just that, sick. It, it really, that's just, that's, the, that's a level of nuts that I can't even almost S understand. You see her eyes? Crazy. Crazy, Crazy. eyes. Yeah. Right, I just, just want to yeah. let it be known that uh, this is like <laughs> transphobic.
Like, are you kidding like me? Like the la- the laughing and the when she immediately went to um, we well, we can acknowledge that the two things are not you know like Mutually like Kate dumbass. Right. Like she's going to try to actually have an intellectual conversation with Holly. Well, she's Please. a she's a law law lawyer. She's a, has her law law degree. So well, and she teaches smart, at um, UC Berkeley, Paul. What a great way! Can't to wait responded. to send your kids there. Yeah, I'll bet. All right, so, so let's can... talk about Trump. Go ahead. Okay, let's go into this because the chat went haywire just by mentioning it. Right. Okay. So there's obviously we all everyone knows the story right the whole audience knows he so said, Musk uh, started this by saying that trump he, should ride off into the sunset well no the trump started it by saying that he's that a rally, bs right? artist okay right because True. he told me he voted for a republican now blah, blah 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 then he said he should ride off into the sunset and then trump went a little over the top in my opinion here's what he put uh here <laughs> is uh if i have it here when Elon Musk came to the White House, asked me there for help is. on his many subsidized projects, whether it's electric cars that don't drive long enough, driverless cars that crash, or rocket ships to nowhere, without which subsidies he'd be worthless, and telling me how he was a big Trump fan and Republican, I could have said, drop to your knees and beg, and he would have done it. Okay. So that, that is was today. O- that, to me, is just simply over the top. He could easily, I, I just from a strategy standpoint, doesn't make sense. Now, is it possible these two guys are kind of in it to stir things up maybe there's something they're saying let's 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 fan the flames who i don't know but all i know is it's not a great look and the media will run with it and i don't understand it i just don't think i I don't know man i'd rather see him make allies with somebody who's who's as popular as elon while i don't trust him um a lot of the public does and, and i just don't see the point of it so i just don't see the point of it what do you think well, I I know um, I don't know. It's two egos. I I, I don't I don't know. I, I on this back and forth. I I don't know. I don't necessarily think I have a problem with it. I mean, I just neither one of them is their ego is going to allow them to give an inch to the other. I mean, he the president at the rally called him a BS artist. He's obviously not going to not respond. He actually said, yeah. you know, it's not that I don't like the guy, but. I just think uh, both Biden and Trump, the time has come. We need younger, well, whatever the argument he was making. Right. No CEO of anything should run anything at 82, 80 years old, whatever what he's done. And then, um, and then the president obviously came out with this today, <laughs> which I just, you know, I just don't know what else you would expect from him. I, I read it. I was just like, come yeah. on. What do you think? I mean, I, I, you know what? I think this is, uh, you think they're having a little it? fun at everybody's expense. That's you know what I honestly was leaning towards that. It's th- almost like they're like it's hey, almost well, like it's contrived because you know let's face it he's he's in the Twitter deal Musk is right. Well, um, him him and Trump have been on that side. They're also both notorious trolls online. Right, uh, but but they've both been on that side of you know against Twitter. Um, I feel like they they needed to put a little let's put a little daylight between ourselves. You know what I'm going to say this. You come back at me. I'll come back. We'll have a little fun at their expense. Let's watch them go crazy. Let's watch the media go crazy. That two now, billionaires are fighting. Now, in all honesty, that was my first reaction. But I was thinking about how the media will portray it. That's all I'm saying. If you want to read something, by the way, which is going to sound very familiar to you, and I know the audience gets upset when I talk about this, but the Wall Street Journal today. Donald Trump in the midterms. Democrats want the former president front and center in the election, and he agrees. And this article goes on to a lot of the things we've talked about that concern me, and everybody tells me I'm, you know, 
oh, you don't like Trump and all, you know, all that kind of nonsense. So it's here. If you want to read it, I'll put it on our socials. Um, so check it out. As always, though, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Go out there, Bryson Gray. Check out that tune. Support them. We'll see you tomorrow night.